eyes closed for the whole time. No, jokes. Um, um, I had a picture uh, before I got up um, that God's going to um, bring a settledness over just some anxious minds. Um, I saw a picture of people getting ministered at the end of when I share, when I speak, when I minister. I really believe God wants to, you know, the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. So the power of God's Word, we can never neglect. Um, I listen to, I've been doing this Bible plan and I'm hungry, like I'm really hungry. You know when you smell something, I always use KFC. But it's, you know, there's something amazing about that smell. It's like you can smell the oil. You can taste those chicken salt hot chips, right? And you, when you smell it, it triggers something in your stomach, causes the saliva to salivate in you. And when I think about the Word of God, it's even better than that. I start to listen to the Word of God every day in my car. I probably listen to like five days of my Bible plan in one hour. I'm so hungry after God's Word because this is what I believe. I believe that whatever I'm full of, maybe I'm full of myself, maybe I'm full of anger, maybe I'm full of, you know, yesterday's um, disappointments, maybe I'm full of, maybe it's good things, Maybe I'm full of all the blessings and that's cool. But I want to be full of God's Word. I want to be full of God's Spirit. And if there's something in there that's replacing that, I want it to go. And so tonight, this is what I see. I see people emptying. Because you don't need to be full of yourself. You don't need to be full of uh, disappointment. Because we all get that, we all face it. But here's the tension when you're a Christian. You need to be content, satisfied. I'm satisfied, God, thank you for, for, for where I'm at right now. But you also need to be hungry. Because you know, hunger in a natural sense is a sign of health. When you look at babies and they're crying because they're hungry, that's, that's a healthy baby. And the alarm bells go off when they're not hungry. And so tonight, I want you to engage in the Spirit and be hungry after the Word of God. Be hungry after what's, what God is doing right now because He's doing something powerful, so don't miss it. So tonight, I want you to respond, not because of me, and it's a heavy responsibility to share the Word and minister. You know, people go, oh, you know, it must be awesome to preach. No. I'm responsible for all of you guys. That's like, oh, man. Anyway, but I want you to engage. I want you to be hungry. So come on, I want you to cry after the King of Kings, not after me. Let's call out. Let's cry out after you, God. We cry. You, we thank you for who you are. We worship you, Lord. We lift you up, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And I just speak to peace right now. I speak peace into your minds. 
I speak to anxiety and I say, you have no room in this place. Get out in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I'm going to be really short. I always say that, but I'm actually being honest. Um, so, prayed about this. We're, we're carrying on the theme of tender love, not tinder love. I had to put that joke in there because, you know, Tinder, we're not swipe, swipe. Oh, I like that person. Because sometimes in church we can swipe, swipe. Don't want to talk to that person. I don't know how it works. I don't know how Tinder works, but I know there's a lot of swiping involved. But aren't you glad that God isn't like that? That his love is tender love. That he is compassionate. And... uh, it's funny, I was reading this one scripture and I thought, I just need to read the scripture and then walk away. I'm not going to drop the mic. <laughs> Who invented that saying, drop mic? You know how much these things cost? <laughs> these are like 50 grand, eh? Are they? Oh. <laughs> I think in China they would be 50 grand. But in New Zealand, for one day only, it's like, what, 20 grand? Maybe it's 20 grand, I don't know. But they're expensive. Who created drop the mic? It's ridiculous. Anyway, so 1 Corinthians 16, 14 in the NLT version, it says, I just need to say this and walk away and do everything with love. I was really, um, really blessed from Pastor Mark's message this morning about putting on a new garment And I really believe that tonight God wants to put on a new garment on all of us. Uh, There's a scripture in Philippians 2, 4, 5 where it says, "Do, Do not look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Here's the challenge. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude. The same attitude. The same attitude that Christ, that's, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. Uh, and this is the scripture I really want to talk about, minister into. It's in Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. And I want to talk about having a soft heart. Keeping your heart soft in a disappointing, angry, bitter world. Keeping your heart soft. And I think I can talk into it because I'm 41 now. Oh, no, I'm 42. Wow, that went fast. My life just flashed before my eyes. I'm 42. Yeah, not in denial. Anyway, Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Think about the last time you were kind to someone. When was the last time you were kind? Now, there are some people out there. Now, I want you to put your hands up. If you're like, you know, you're just super kind. Byron, whatever. Put your hand down. (laughs) Sorry, Lord. Maybe he's being true. Hannah, is he kind? Is he kind, Hannah? Okay, how many people out there are really like, people just say, oh, people call on you to do things. 
You're just like the go-to person. Just put your hand up. Now be honest. Say, I don't want anyone to put their hand up and they're lying. God knows the spirit is here. Not many of us put our hands up. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We can read that and go, yeah, yeah, cool. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, God, for the advice. But you see, you are the guardian of your galaxy. Yeah, what is your galaxy? Your, your, your life, your world, your heart. So whatever you let into your galaxy, it's your responsibility. Whatever you let into your heart, whatever you say, come on, yeah, I welcome you, anger. I have a bit of bitterness. I'm allowed to. God, you know how that person treated me. You're the guardian of your galaxy. Do not let offences, or here's a new one, a second-hand offence. Do you know what that is? A second-hand offence is probably like second-hand smoke. You know, uh, my, my, my brother's a smoker, and... Um, Here's a little confession. I saw, when, growing up, I used to go, mmm, I love the smell of cigarette smoke. And uh, my brother used to smoke in his room. He wasn't allowed to smoke in our entire house, but he used to smoke in our room, and I used to, like, put my head in, put my head out. And, uh, and I didn't realise how dangerous it was until, you know, you go to school and you learn about um, passive smoking and... Um, just being in the same range or vicinity as that person who's smoking, if you inhale that stuff, it increases the risk of cancer, it increases the risk of heart disease, and, uh, you know, I'm reading up on that. But it's the same with secondhand offence. You know, when I think about it, you know, for example, maybe someone, uh, you know, maybe someone you love or a friend, uh, something happens to them, let me think of an example. Okay. So uh, we're going to use church because that's always a good one. You're walking into church and uh, you see someone, you know, you know, and then they don't acknowledge you. And then you go, oh, hang on a minute. I'll walk past them again. <laughs> and then they don't acknowledge you and you're going, oh, maybe they didn't see me. So you talk to someone, another friend, and you go, hey, you know, such and such, let's call him, call him Bob. He didn't even acknowledge me. Do you think there's something up? Oh, you know, I was thinking about Bob. I was thinking, you know, he hasn't been around much, so I think there's something going on. I don't think he likes you. And then you get, you know, you get together in your little committee and you start to inhale. You start to inhale their hurt. You start to inhale their disappointment. And you're like, yeah, you're right, Bob's an egg. I don't like Bob. <laughs> so you don't talk to Bob because, you know, your friend, your community, you know, you start to have a conversation about Bob. So you just cut Bob out of your life because Bob didn't acknowledge you. You know, the same thing happened to me. I've got terrible eyesight. And uh, people would say to me, Kathy, I was waving to you. You know, from 20K. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, but you know, like, and uh, to be honest, you don't know what that other person is 
thinking or feeling. You don't know where they've just come from. But from that one moment, you can get offended or hurt by a look. That's, that's pretty minor, isn't it? But I know that in life it says, you know, in, in God's word, that a, an offended friend is harder to win over than a fortified city. An offended friend. And I just want to encourage us as a church to be kind. What does that look like? Be kind. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Kind words. Be kind. That's the challenge, to be kind about someone in private. Be kind in private, right? Don't put anything on Facebook that's silly about someone. Be kind in private, even though Facebook is public. Anyway, you know what I mean. Be kind in private as you are in public. Because you know what? If you're kind in public and you're not so kind in private, then you're being double. You're being double. So... You know, one time I remember sitting in a cafe with one of my friends, and she's not a Christian, and she said to me, oh, Kathy, I've brought along my, um, my other friend. Just, just a, a little warning, she hates Christians. And I just went, oh, I wanted to enjoy my coffee. Because how many know it's easy to be kind to someone who's kind back to you, you know? It's easy to be kind to people that you love. Oh, not all the time, eh? But anyway, you know what I mean. It's easier to be kind to the lovely people. So, you know, I thought it was a nice coffee, so we sat down in the cafe, and her friend walked in, and then she had a bit of, a, she had a bit of beef with someone, and she was, like, walking in with attitude, and I was like, oh, great. So she starts talking about, oh man, did you read the article in the Herald about that church? And she went on and on. And then I thought, don't say anything. Don't even like mention that, you know, hide your cross. (laughs) Hide your Christianity anyway, because I just wanted, to be honest, I wanted to have a nice, peaceful conversation. I wanted to enjoy my coffee. I don't like confrontation. Anyway, so we sit there. And my friend goes, hey, you know, Kathy, she's a pastor. <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> Hello, Kathy, you're dead. So, uh, wow. so yeah, threw me under the bus like Sam did with Ross. It's okay that he follows a storm. They're not going to win anyway. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> no. Jokes, jokes but not really jokes. (laughs) Kind words. I love you, Ross. Bless you. God loves you. Anyway. So I had to make a choice. After she, you know, put the spotlight on me, we're sitting in the cafe, she goes, Kathy's a pastor. And her friend's face changed her whole, her face started getting distorted. And I just thought, oh man, thanks, friend. Anyway. So we're sitting there, and I'm thinking about the word, be kind, be kind. So uh, she said, oh, yes, 
you're a bleeping pastor, are you? And I went, yes. <laughs> and so she had a bit of beef about healing. And I thought, oh, no, you know, I don't want to have a long conversation about healing. And my friend in the cafe goes, oh, man, I've got a sore arm. <laughs> Kathy, got a sore arm. And I was like, don't you even. We're sitting in a busy cafe. And she said, I've got a sore arm. Kathy can pray for me. You watch. When she lays hands on me, she's going to heal me. And I thought, no. I've got cynical, atheist, lawyer friend sitting in the cafe looking at me. Her eyes are like burning into my soul, you know? She's probably like, you know, oh, anyway. So I sat there and I went, Huh, what do you want me to do? She goes, can you pray for my arm? I went, sure, sure. And I tell you, you know, it says in his word, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I think I had. My faith was as small as an eyelash. I was sitting there like, man, come on, God. Just wanted to enjoy, you know. I don't care about the interests of others. I just want to be selfish, God. Just for one moment. Anyway, so I got up, put my hand on her arm, my friend's arm, and I said, be healed in Jesus' name. Sat down, drank my coffee, dropped the mic moment, you know. <laughs> like, better be healed, God. Better be healed. Anyway, so, uh, so it went silent. And uh, my friend said, oh, man. It's better. Look. You know, she was doing this with her arm. And the interesting thing was, her friend looked at me, looked at my friend's arm, because she knows that my friend, she trusts my friend. There's a bit of credibility there. And she said, oh, really, is your arm better? And my friend said to this lovely atheist, she said, see, I told you. And uh, her friend sat there and went, oh, great. And it's amazing how the atmosphere changed. Because really, I wanted to walk out of that cafe. I thought, I don't, I don't take to unkind people, but, you know, we're called to walk in the opposite spirit. Easy to read, hard to do. Easy to read, hard to do. Number two, be tender-hearted. Keep your heart soft. Have compassion. How many of you are like, you're more on the tough love side? You're like, nah, they need to learn the hard way. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Yeah, cool. Awesome. How many of you are more like tender love? Grace, Grace, you know, I love you. Well, that, that's great. It's, it's pretty uh, even there. But keeping your heart soft in a pretty, oh, how would I say, crappy world, is uh, it's hard to walk when you have family <laughs> and you have extended family. A few years ago when... Um, when I was about 23, um, my father passed away. And in our Samoan culture, you know, you, 
you raise a lot of money for the funeral. And, uh, you know, um, at the time, everything was done according to cultural practices, and we raised about $20,000 for my dad's funeral. And I had to watch my mum, you know, go through the whole procedure with chiefs and all the, the money they had to collect. And the chiefs were my dad's brothers. And my dad's older brother, he was like the, the high chief. He decided to take all the money and he left. And we were left with nothing. And I remember watching my mother going, oh, it's okay, it's all right. And uh, you know how I was talking about that secondhand offence? So my mum's telling me what was happening. Then I would talk to my extended family and say, where's the $20,000? They say, oh, it's gone to the high chief, you know, your uncle. And I remember in my heart thinking, I don't trust any of my extended family, they can just go to H-E-L double hockey sticks. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, because I was like, I can't believe it, you just took $20,000 that was raised for my dad's funeral, you took it for yourself. And um, I've heard plenty of stories, you know, in the island community where that's happened. I don't know if that's normal or if that's, you know, some of the chiefs take the cut, and I, I got really, I think in my heart, got quite bitter about it. And walking through that, I remember sitting by myself, I was grieving my dad's death and going, God, where's the fairness? God, what's happening? And I remember sitting there in the Holy Spirit saying, keep your heart soft. And I was like, no. <laughs> I will do that another day. But, you know, and I remember I got so angry at my uncles. This is a terrible story. And they were eating uh, at my mum's house. They were eating a lot of salt and, and meaty things. And I said, which was quite disrespectful, I said, look at all of you. You saw your brother die? Do you want to be next? And then my uncle, who was in that room, died a few months later anyway. Not the one that took the money anyway, but I was like, oh my goodness, Kathy. I had bitterness. <laughs> but I knew that I had to get rid of all of it. Keeping my heart soft and right before God. Because that's the main thing, you know. You can't walk or go through life thinking, oh, you know, just a little bit of bitterness is all right. No. Get rid of all bitterness, it says. Because you know what it does? Bitterness, disappointment, hurt distorts your view on life. I was angry at everybody when this happened. But I remember... God's saying to me, Kathy, you need to forgive. And I was like, forgive? They're thieves. And they're related to me. Some of you are thinking, yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway. 
I do have a few criminals in my family, but, you know, God loves them anyway. Anyway, so I was like, oh, come on, God. I don't want to forgive my uncle. You know, it's a lot of money. And God said, you know what? He took me to the saying, and it's the next point. Number three, forgiving one another. Forgiving is ongoing. And um, there's a powerful quote by Lewis B. Smeads. I think his name is. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. And, uh, you know, I was right to feel that. I know I was. But in the kingdom of God, Pastor Mark put it beautifully today. You know, when Judas, the, the betrayer, was sitting amongst the disciples and Jesus said, go do your thing, Judas. After Judas went away, he said to the disciples, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Doesn't make sense. Just like forgiving one another doesn't make sense. But you know what it does? It sets your heart free. Because you are the guardian of your galaxy. You're the guardian of your heart. And whatever you let in, you start to house. You house that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that rage, that anger. You house it. You go, okay, come. Stay here. Make yourself at home in my heart. And the encouragement is forgiving is ongoing. Forgiveness is ongoing. If Dave Darby could please come up, that would be awesome. I just want to end with one story uh, that happened to me a few years ago at Shout Conference. And um, I wanted to share this because sometimes when you hear someone speak on the platform, you go, man, that sounds so, so hard to attain. <sighs> Kathy doesn't know how I live. <laughs> well, can I just share something with you? I'm a human being like everybody else. Pastor is just a title, but Christians are who we are. We've got Christ in us. He is the hope of glory. And so I was at Shout Conference, and it was at the, you know, the time when I was at my peak of fitness. I was going to the gym every day um, and exercising and looking after myself and really felt... Um, uh, I felt really good, but then I started to get an ache in my um, rotator cuff, which is your shoulder. I think that's the fancy name. I don't know, anyway. So I injured my rotator cuff, and uh, I went to physio for six months. And I remember going, man, this is taking a long time to heal. And I was at Shout Conference, because, you know, I was getting a bit sad that I couldn't exercise. I don't know what that feels like now, but anyway, I was sad back then because I'm enjoying the um, non-fit life anyway. By the way, we have RevoFit with Tavita. Can you stand up? I'm advertising you. There you go, RevoFit. Let's not get too comfortable in our skin, eh? Right, anyway. So uh, I was at Shout Conference and... Uh, and I was like, oh, and I can't remember who said, who needs healing? And I stood up 
and you know everyone was laying hands on me and and in my head I was like I'm not going to get healed that's a really good start isn't it anyway so (laughs) I'm not going to get healed anyway so I stood there and God showed me a picture of someone's face and I was like "Mm, that's interesting and the face became clearer and I thought why you got this person's face in front of me when I want to get healing and you know trying to focus and God said to me you need to forgive that person do you want to get healed and I went yes but how was that attached to my shoulder you know the unforgiveness the healing and I was standing there and I was like God I really want you to heal me the face came back And the presence of God, I could feel it so strong. And I was having this conversation in my head. No, yes, come on, Kathy. No, I don't want to. Do you want to get healed? Yes. Do you want to forgive that person? No. Having an argument. It was like five minutes in my head. You know, standing like, oh, I don't want to. Felt like a five-year-old anyway. Standing there, felt the presence of God. And God said to me, Kathy, do you want to get totally healed? And I said, yes. Well, you need to forgive this person. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to say that person's name and say, you forgive them. Everything within me started to get knotted up. And that's when I knew, ah, it's still there. I've got a little bit of unforgiveness. And then that little bit turned to a whole lot of unforgiveness. And I went, okay. So I was standing there. And the presence of God started to hit me. And I said, I forgive that person. And you know what? I got instantly healed. It was a year of, oh man, I can tell you, you know, walking walking with a limp or walking with hurt, I don't know how people can get comfortable with it. But somehow, you start to take that on as part of you. And what happened to me was, I had this unforgiveness in my life that I thought I could deal with. And no one could see it because unforgiveness is pretty hard to see until you injure yourself and then you want to get healed and you know. But that's my story. But there is stuff in your life that only the Spirit of God can cut out. You can't do it on your, on your own. You can't. You didn't create yourself. God created you. And He knows what you need. He knows that maybe you need to forgive some people. Maybe you're here and you've got a secondhand offence. You've heard people talk about their situation. I know some people are pretty messed up about church. Maybe it's not this church, but maybe it's the the idea of church. And I want to tell you, stop inhaling the hurt of other people. Stop inhaling disappointment. It's not yours. It's theirs. Because what will happen 
is you inhale the hurt of people, you inhale the bitterness of other people, you end up worse off than that person. So I want to encourage you, second-hand offence, deal with it now. I've had to deal with disappointment. I've had to deal with hurt. And I have to continue to keep my heart soft, to be tender-hearted even when everything goes against me. I know you go through the same thing, but it's keeping your heart soft. You know why? Because he who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6 says, is faithful to complete it. He's faithful. Sometimes we're not faithful, but He is faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. So this is why every day we've got to go, God, keep my heart soft. God, I need Your Word. I need to cut off. I need to guard my galaxy so nothing comes in that's not of You. I want to be full of God, not full of hurt. I want to be full of His Word, not full of Netflix. I want to be full of the Spirit of God because you know what carries me, what keeps me alive? It's not TV. You know what keeps me alive? It's not Facebook, even though it's really awesome. Or Instagram or Snapchat or ChatChat, I don't know what it's called. All those things. Keep me alive, let it keep you alive. The Spirit of God keeps you alive, and I want you right now to stand up, stand up, and give Him everything you have. You start to worship the King of.